Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and today I'm here with a special guest, Andy from the Legendary Creature Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's good to be back again, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I love having you on. Uh, And today we've got a fun topic. We're going to be discussing our favorite keywords in Commander. Uh, Quick disclaimer, these are not necessarily like the most powerful keywords, um, but they're the ones we have the most fun playing with. They have a lot of strategic depth. Um, I think this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, I I hope we can get around to talking about like which have a support from a commander and which don't. You know, even if it's not like an obvious direct line, that would be a good part of this conversation, I think. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, deck lists that we'll throw out there occasionally when it aligns with the, the mechanic we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if, I, if I have messed with it, I'll kind of say I've, we've got one here for you to put on your on your show notes if you want sure uh but let's jump right in uh we're gonna start with one that i i like to talk about a lot um and it's yeah, a mechanic <laughs> uh it's a mechanic that like doesn't really do anything mm-hmm. uh when you get down to it but it just like opens up a lot of possibilities and, and this is changeling so for those who don't know it, um, changeling is just a word. It goes on a creature and it means that it has all creature types and it functions in the command zone. It functions in the library. It functions in your hand. Uh, and of course, it functions on the battlefield. So it doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. but it's still a really fascinating mechanic because over the years, they've just had so many typal commanders for so many different types. And uh, a lot of the time, like, you know, if they are trying to do a typal commander for a creature type that just like isn't naturally very powerful, mm-hmm. like you don't have to do a lot to make like angels good or or like there's there's some like iconic creature types yeah. or creature types that have just gotten a lot of juice over the years that you don't. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to do a whole lot to put them to get people to put them in a deck together. Um, but then there's things like, oh, God, I don't know. uh scarecrows or things like like frogs or something where just like the average card of that type is super super weak so Mm -hmm. if you want people to build around it in commander you gotta really give them something strong in the command zone and that's where changelings like end up having so much power is they don't do anything on their own but if you've got this commander that like is really subsidizing a particular creature type then you know, just suddenly just like a one cost one, one with that type becomes insane. It's it's crazy that like universal automaton, which is literally just a one cost one, one artifact creature with changeling uh, is in 36,000 decks on EDH rec. Hmm. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. If you look at the card, like this is not something you would want to play in a normal deck and commander, a one cost one, one with no real abilities that do anything yeah but it it just has so much potential because it's everything yeah it doesn't do anything it just is everything yeah so like just look at the things they've printed like unesh uh cryo sphinx sovereign mm-hmm. reduces all your your sphinxes by two and you get like a mini factor fiction when one enters they build these designs 
around the assumption that, well, you know, most sphinxes cost like five or six or seven mana. Right. And then when you have changelings come in, they're just like one cost, one, one idiots or two cost, two, two idiots. Mm -hmm. Uh, They become like the the best members of their tribe. And like a changeling card that does anything decent at all becomes automatically like the best brushwag or like the best uh, like reflection or, or like the best starfish or whatever. So like realm Walker, it's just like, okay, but it's way, way better than all the limited fodder, like trilobites we've seen over the years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, changeling kind of freaks me out a little bit. I, I think, I think when you're, thinking about sphinxes the way yeah i think they're they were they were they were when they released unesh like when they figured that out for us it was like yeah they're, they're kind of high costed what incentive can we give to play this tribe in the speed uh that these formats are moving in it's like well this is a pretty good incentive like giving a, a, a what is it like an urza's incubator with wings yeah. plus a factor yeah factor fiction so it, it it makes the sphinxes more palatable, but then I don't know. Maybe I think you feel differently. But Kyle's played with Sphinx Tribal for a while. Uh, my co-host on my on my other podcast on my podcast, and he just stays away from changelings, <laughs> like <laughs> because they're because they're exactly what you said. It's just like one mana do it, one mana do it, one mana do it. Like it it kind of just to him is just not the point. He likes actual sphinxes, not these just like amorphous blob people that are the the changelings but then there's like what you're saying the the tribes don't have strength in numbers or something to tie them together Mm -hmm. or if you're going to go something like i don't i don't know this is like when i first started listening to your podcast you were talking about something called a tribal tribal or everything tribal right back when we were saying tribal Um, yeah yeah (laughs) it it was wild i think you were using like the the first sliver you know, like because all these changelings will have cascade and they'll yeah. just cascade into actual slivers or other actual sli- changelings, changelings. It was, it was wild. I, we, I goldfished it for a little bit and I'm like, this is disgusting. Like with all these <laughs> changelings in here. And then my friend actually went out and built it and it was like, it was like public enemy number one, this deck. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was so irritatingly strong. Like he would, land a Krenko, you know, oh, I have all goblins, and then a Nunesh in the same game. So he's got <laughs> goblins, Sphinx, like, it, it gets so crazy where the, the the lords see all the changelings and give them all those benefits, like the Krenkos and the Uneshes and the, and the, you know, I guess I guess you could start looking at Phyrexians now and giving your rats toxic one, if that's, if you have the appetite to do that, like, it just gets crazy, crazy fast. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that, like, Sometimes changelings get a bad rap because it's it is annoying that like the best thing to do is to run these like, you know, gross alien babies or like purple jelly uh-huh. guys or, or just like aesthetically it does kind of suck to put changelings into your your typal deck. But I, I think that like that's sort of the challenge for design. And I think that because if they're gonna keep printing changelings as like a band-aid for sets with a lot of typal themes, then I I think that just means that they have to make sure that their designs don't automatically pull you towards changelings. Like I think if, Mm -hmm. um, 
if if they hadn't had like the mini factor fiction on Unesh, then it'd be a lot less appealing to do the changelings. Oh, because, yeah. Yeah. Because like then you'd be OK, I get the cost reduction, but I still probably want the high average, the higher average card power of my, you know, five mana sphinxes. It's true. Yeah. Whereas like, it, yeah, I can play a universal automaton for zero, but that doesn't do anything for me. It's the fact that I'm paying zero mana and getting a factor for my factor fiction. That's what like really incentivizes that line. So mm-hmm. I, I think like if you are conscious about designing commanders that play to the unique characteristics of your tribe rather than just like, I'm going to give them all a really sick ETB ability. <laughs> well, okay. That's going to probably encourage me to run my like moth dust changeling or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just going to go there quick, but yeah, thanks for bringing up uh, everything tribal. This is, I, I think like the most changeling deck there is. It just runs like all of the typal rewards um, for many different many different types and just uh, allows you to run like you know your changeling outcast gets double strike from your bone scythe sliver and mm-hmm. whenever it hits somebody you draw two cards from your raider spoils and they so discard crazy. two cards from their cabal slaver and it's also fun that like you can run cards that are just like asymmetrical board wipes really easily like crux of fate yeah uh destroy all non-dragon creatures well all my changelings are dragons mm-hmm. um so a lot of fun opportunities for for synergy there um and really feels more like a changeling deck than the ones where like you know nominally it's it's an elf deck or nominally it's a goblin deck but i'm sure i have a lot of people in there with shapeshifter on the type line right yeah yeah I, this deck is crazy it's wild it's it's really cool like when it finally gets rolling with mm-hmm. all of its different effects and there's really no that for now there's really no other way to do it so I, I i i like it it was it was fun to play against it was definitely like a puzzle we all had to kind of figure out and it gave a different play experience for us like every time i, I didn't see it do the same thing very often which yeah that's, i love that yeah definitely a, a fun archetype to mess around with but do you want to move on to the next mechanic? Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Infect. So I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, but Infect. People love Infect. <laughs> people love Infect. Big, fun, friendly Infect. Uh, basically gives a creature the ability to deal combat damage to creatures in the form of minus one, minus one counters and players mm. in the form of poison counters. I'm one of the Infect stands. I like Infect. People are afraid of this. It, it does like really threaten an aggro win better yeah. than any other mechanic. Yeah. Um, but I, I just like that it makes any French vanilla creature with decent stats compelling. Like s- similar to the way that Changeling, if you put Changeling on like a two cost two two, that's just okay. Now it can go into a million decks where, well, it's kind of similar with Infect where if you throw infect onto just like a cheap creature with flying it becomes automatically commander playable whereas that kind of card without infect is just like you would never ever see that yeah i'm probably on the other side of the i don't know man i i don't (laughs) i don't love uh the formats in i won't call it imbalance but i'll say 
that a lot of people get away with way too much time in Commander than they than they should. So I like that something like this exists where you could have a short life in the game. What I don't love about Infect though is that like all the work you do um on a, on a specific player if we're if we're not talking about toxic, right? Mm-hmm. If as soon as we deal with you, you didn't do anything to advance the game. Like all that poison goes away. Like all of your vectors go with you. You know, like if we deal with your deal with you like either by lowering your life total to the point where you leave the game or we cope all of your permanents that are vectors for infect like the person that you were focusing or maybe the the if you were i guess not latched on to a specific person we're still all at like 40 life probably you know and like that's in like the high 30s at the minimum that's what i don't love uh i haven't played a lot around like where people start to pivot into proliferate which is kind of a harder thing to do i think if you're just focused on aggro, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of sucks where it's like, you didn't really do anything and we had no choice, but to kind of focus you down because of how fast you're, you're moving someone to, to death. You know, it's just 10 hits. Like forget Voltron when all of your creatures contribute to this arbitrary damage total, that's way lower than any, everything else. Right. So yeah. it's, that's like my one thing about it is like, I, I, I deal with I deal with Nick and then these other two players or maybe the person he was latched onto who rightly probably should have gotten unfocused because they have like a really strong slash degenerate deck. Mm-hmm. They're not any closer to dying, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Like I um I mean, I've played a lot of Infect over the years. I really, yeah. really tried to make toxic work um with like the Ixel, the the new precon commander oh, from okay. yeah yeah, um, and I totally get what you're saying. Like people are so afraid of the possibility that I could kill them out of nowhere right. that they will all gang up on me, even if like I'm going for the real threat at the table. Like they don't. I I would love for my opponents to see me playing Infect as a tool for them to use to like eliminate other competition mm-hmm. um but often it's just like nah you're playing in fact dude we got to get you out of here yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so i hope i don't think that way when i see it I, I definitely am like a little nervous right like this infectious thing is happening i think i feel more secure if i have a, a more surefire way to remove your infect vectors like all right i've got a toxic deluge so I, I can wait to see who he's going to latch on to or if that's what he's going to do. But it, even even barring that, like you you can't account for my other two opponents. Like maybe I do want you to like focus Zach down because mm-hmm. I know Zach's deck is just like really oppressive if it's if it's allowed to have time, which I love that. I don't want I don't think every deck should have the time uh, to do some of the crap that we're allowed to do in this yeah, in this yeah. game, but then it's like, okay, you killed him, and then I'm clearly the next guy. Um, or you know, you know, like let's say Kyle's playing with us. He's he's not thinking the same way I am, and he's like, yeah, I got to deal with Nick now. So he mm-hmm. board clears you or something, and you've done nothing to Zach really in terms yeah. of what me and Kyle care about, which is him hitting zero. So I could you yeah. could say the same thing about Mill. I think like you deal with the guy that's milling. And now we just have a bunch of junk in our graveyard that's either going to help us 
and he and when we're there's no we're like but you still have like more cards in your library than you could ever possibly need yeah like, like it, it, i've got yeah. 60 cards in my library that's more than i do life at any point right so mm-hmm. yeah like a good most of my deck is gone <laughs> <laughs> but i'm the mill player or the vectors in which mill is happening from have been dealt with now let's just play the rest of the game with the rest of our deck it's it's interesting like infect and mill i think kind of exist on that plane where there it's an alternative win con right yeah yeah alternative has been removed it's like we got to go back to the the real life total win win. yeah it and it's like with mill at at least mill decks tend to hit a lot of players at once there's like mind grinds a lot or like mesmeric orbs a lot of ways to get like everyone's library Mm -hmm. at the same time Whereas like infect is more surgical outside right. of like proliferate stuff. Um, infect really is like, I have to commit to one person. Um, and so I, I think that's a tool. Like when I play it, I really do try to make deals with people and be like, Hey, if you show me the spot removal, this Githerix goes somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, I'm not going to waste it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, I've got some friends who just refuse to negotiate with terrorists and, and well, hard to make headway in those games. Yeah. It's a, I, I'll tell you where I do like Infect, where it just comes out of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. like the, and that's probably where most of the community is okay with Infect, where you've got like your um, Triumph of the Hordes, your Tainted mm-hmm. Strikes, where people thought they were in better shape than they were. Like, oh, I'm at 70 life. And then <laughs> you kind of show that you can deal 10 infect out of nowhere i i do like that it doesn't happen a lot actually yeah i like it as like this is um you know an overrun tool to like Mm -hmm. clear board stalls and kind of end the game that's nice and like i guess what you can say last about infect is that it doesn't exist too much in red so it's not like you're buying a lot of combats Mm -hmm. you're pretty stuck in what black green a lot of the time mono black yeah. in the case of i think the deck you've got linked here yeah yeah skitherix is the infect deck that i've had the most success success with i've mm-hmm. I tried it in other ways um you know i tried Ixel, but just having infect in the command zone being able to like quickly pump up that hasty evasive that scalability yeah 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 really is, is what gets things going um but I think we can maybe move on to the next mechanic now, and we'll have more to say about poison a little bit later in the episode. Yeah, let's go to the next one. Okay, Uh, next we've got cycling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So this is currently um, deciduous, uh, according to to Studio X over at Wizards, basically meaning that they can put this in any set if they want to. They don't really have to justify it or or doesn't have to be like a main marquee mechanic. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah, any set can have it. And, um, I mean, I, I love a lot of things about this mechanic. It's a very, very cheap way to move resources between zones. Um, it's often like one or two mana to get a card from cycling yeah. into your graveyard. That certainly works well with like reanimation, with recursion, with delve cards, with escape cards, um, it's just like fodder for everything that you're doing involving your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And it also just like just adding an extra mode to all of your cards is great. Um, 
you know, there's a reason people love charm so much, just like the optionality of, well, I really just do not need this, this scion of darkness right now, or this angel of the ruins. Uh, but I sure would love to hit more land drops. So being able to just like, I I mean, it's, it's like kicker. It's like every mechanic in that vein, Mm -hmm. you just have multiple ways that you can use your cards depending on what the situation is. And especially, and I especially, especially love it on just big expensive creatures so that you can have that haymaker haymaker when you need it, or you can just have, you know, something else, a better spell. If that's what you need, if you're screwed on lands or something, and then you get that extra bonus of like, well, now I'm going to rise of the dark realms. And uh, I guess I got a pretty good discount on that angel, of the ruins. Right. Yeah. Cycling. I think, you know, Zach said it best. He was like, it's, you can fill the deck full of all these little silver bullets that are exactly what you need at the time. And if they're not, you, you cycle them away. Mm-hmm. That's what I love the most about cycling is like the deck is full of exactly that. Uh, I've played with two different cycling decks. Like I have kind of experience now that we're talking about a, a, something I've messed with, never messed with Infect or Changeling. But uh, years and years ago, I had um, a Zur deck that was focused on cycling. So this was like mm-hmm. before Circa Gavi, the the cat lady. Mm-hmm. The idea was is that you get Astral Slide and then I think what's the other one that they... Uh, Astral they really Drift? Used? Astral Drift, yeah, those are the two. So... Uh, when I built it, Astral Slide, I think, was the only one that existed. Is that the first one? That is Astral the first Drift. one. And there's actually yeah. a third one. They made uh, Escape Protocol, too. Yeah. So it was. this is like one way you can play Zer, right? Like you can just kind of think about an enchantment that is your, you know, a three or less enchantment that's kind of like your commander in the pocket. Yeah. A yeah. secret commander, if you will. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of crazy things you could do with Zer in this way, right? You could, you could do like Phyrexian Unlife. I guess, or, or, uh, solemnity. That's, that's one. Yeah, you could just do yeah. a solemnity deck, you know, cause you're, you're, you're going to get it on your first combat with sir. But the idea was, yeah, like get that out, which, you know, when you cycle a card, you flicker essentially is what you're doing. So it was a flicker deck, but it was full of all these silver bullets. And then just this spectrum of creatures that exist in Esper that have either effective, annoying or valuable ETBs. So they go on top of, the cycling that you're doing mm-hmm. it was pretty sick um and then i don't know i haven't revisited it in a long time because there's like newer cycling cards now that i, I think of the like lord of the rings are some pretty strong ones like the go get lands yeah. and um ikoria fa- came out and they there was a lot of like one mana ones from ikoria so uh it's a cool mechanic i really like cycling a lot yeah and i i just love how much you can fit in how much cycling you can fit into your deck um because you know we've had multiple we've had multiple cycles of just lands with cycling you can fit a lot into your mana base yeah way that doesn't feel super obtrusive right and then and then like you mentioned you know one mana cyclers feel like just free to run practically Mm -hmm. um and, and we saw also with the the land cyclers the one mana land cyclers from lord of the rings like you know, those are making waves in modern because you can kind of just cut a land for one of those. Like you're not going to keep. Yeah. As long as you have, you know, one other land in your opening hand, it doesn't really feel like a huge burden to run those cards. 
and then some of them actually do things. Maybe you will cast Lorien Revealed and draw three cards at some point during the game. Um, so it just feels super free to to run these these cards in your deck. A um, lot of you can easily get just you know much more than a critical mass, a huge chunk of your deck triggering your your cycling effects. And even if you're not going for like a cycling deck, it's just uh, there's just so much opportunities for synergy. Like in my Sephiroth of, of the Hidden Ways deck, I'm not doing Astral Slide. I'm not doing uh, really a whole lot of, of synergy with cycling. Yeah. Other than the fact that my commander cares about creatures being put into the graveyard and cycling is just an easy way to trigger that for, yeah. for very little mana. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a pretty low way to get there. <laughs> just, yeah, don't need a sack out, sack outlet or nothing. I'm just gonna ditch it and draw. Yeah, yeah, it's no, it's perfect. Just Sephiroth on turn three, and then like I have four mana. I've got four one mana cyclers. I'll do it uh, starting on my turn four. Once here, once there, once there, once there, and then I've completed a dungeon. Now I'm getting back Angel the Ruins. Yeah, it's uh, Sephiroth is sick. Yeah, that's that's a good way to do it for sure yeah uh all right uh do you want to move on to the next mechanic let's go okay uh next is proliferate um so proliferate is of course adding counters to objects or players Mm -hmm. um it synergizes with planeswalkers plus almost one counters minus one minus one counters experience energy poison and and more yeah Um, it's just super super versatile mechanic um and i just love that um especially with the the most recent crop of proliferate effects in all will be one uh it's costed as if it were worth like zero to one mana so you get it at a really really good rate you know you get it on landfall you get it when you cast a spell um but the effect that like a single proliferate can have on a board full of counters is huge. If you're playing that plus one plus one counter deck, if you're playing that super friends deck, uh, you're ticking up a whole lot of things and it's just really effect. And of course, like if you have poison counters on your opponents, you're getting 10% of the way towards winning every time you proliferate. That's true. So it's, yeah, that's quite, I didn't think of that. That's pretty crazy. So huge, huge impact. Uh, do you have uh, an, any experience like playing with or against Proliferate and especially like how it interacts with some of these other mechanics? Uh, probably like most people when I run into Atraxa, that's when mm-hmm. I, I start seeing it. Uh, people often want to just take what the commander is doing and do that thing with the rest of their deck. And she's very well positioned for that. So I usually see it like with 1-1 counter decks and yeah uh super friends list is when i've run into it myself yeah i was pretty into it when when mizix was allowed to be in the meta uh (laughs) so (laughs) it just was a kind of a anything that was an instant or sorcery with her where you're at your curve on on experience counters is that what they are yeah experience counters Mm -hmm. and then proliferate so you're just at a really higher altitude with her cost reduction was really good so like the one that stands out is um Tezzeret's Gambit that was like a, just a really awesome card and they released the the card that's like anytime you cast a non-creature you proliferate and I even ran Thrumming Bird in that list because like well mm-hmm. every time I hit I just pick up one more 
you know, uh, Sapphire yeah, medallion, and you know, like to me, you know, like it was just crazy. That nobody like, can touch. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, as long as she's out, which I will never let you remove her. As long as like, as long as I can, I just need her out. Like that was the that was the most counter magic I ever ran in a deck because you just couldn't die. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just couldn't die. So, um that's my experience with it it's a really it is a really like to support what you're saying like it is a really powerful effect it's like the aoe of all aoe's like it just hits all of everything that you want it to you know if there's negative counters out there you're gonna mess with them if there's experience or poison or plus one plus ones or uh loyalty it's all going the direction you want it to go it's wild so proliferate is great in that it can just support so many different archetypes, but it's also been given its own archetype with mm-hmm. Azuri Stalker of Spheres. Like now you can just do the proliferate thing and and that can be an end in itself um, as opposed to supporting some other game plan. You can just uh, run everything proliferate, draw a ton of cards, and then eventually you'll find some win condition that cares about counters. Yeah, your Azuri list is is pretty cool. I'm trying to get one of my friends to put it together for us so he can play it. We actually mm-hmm. don't have like a lot of Simic going on. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't a very Simic. I mean, it is, but you know, it's like <laughs> it's focused on something that ain't playing lands and drawing cards all in the same game action. So it's pretty cool. I want to see him try to pull it off. Nice. Uh, all right, I think we can head over to the next mechanic. Next up, we're talking about retrace. Yeah, uh, so this is a this is a interesting pick. This is uh, one of these mechanics. Like they don't, they could probably like never print another card with retrace, and it would be fine. I, th- yeah. I still would think it was a sweet mechanic. Um, so retrace uh, allows you to cast a card from your graveyard by discarding a land in addition to paying its other costs. And it's pretty much just been printed on um, instants and sorceries. And this is, it's almost like it just changes a card from being like a card to like being like an emblem or being just like an activated ability that you can yeah, do right. whenever you want. You're, you're no longer like, I play my card, I do the thing, that's it. It's like, no, it's it just changes how you play the game. So it turns like every land in your hand into a spell. And it's just like active from your graveyard. You don't even have to like draw this card. This is like it's a mechanic that works really well with discard. It works really well with self mill. Yeah, because now suddenly I've got something going on just because I've had a mesmeric orb going for for many turns like once you've got a retrace card in your graveyard, you just like can't flood out for the rest of the game. Your, your lands will always be doing something for you when you draw them. And, and it's not, you don't need to run like a whole bunch of retrace cards in your deck. Uh, you can just run one and that's enough. Like I have only a single worm harvest in my wind grace deck, but that is like, the win con for the deck and i have like at times entombed for a worm harvest because that's how i'm going to win the game it makes a one one worm token for each land card in my graveyard if i'm doing that multiple times a turn in a land deck that's all about getting lands in my graveyard anyway Mm -hmm. then that's all i need to win the game i love that my win condition is something that 
it's really hard to attack unless you've got graveyard hate. It just like happens. You can wipe the board as many times as you want. Worm harvest is still going to be there. I've got my loam engine going. I'm still going to be able to get this, this, this army online. So really sweet mechanic. Um, even though there's only like a handful of them, they've mm-hmm. only ever printed 14 cards with retrace, but a lot of them are just like relevant to commander because taking away the the actual cost of playing a card and losing access to it, just making it so that it's there for you whenever you want, just it's so powerful and it doesn't have to do a lot in order to be good. Um, I would say if someone was listening to this and they were like, I want to try to retrace, <laughs> I would say, uh, check your land count first. I think a lot of mm. people are running around with a really low land count and probably will like, go. Oh, I haven't seen a land drop in three turns and this thing's sitting in my graveyard and I need the land drop to do the rest of the stuff. So I think that's a good message all around, even if you're not thinking about retrace. But then the other thing I would say is, uh, think about your your deck obviously so for myself like una's grace is one that i use quite often Mm -hmm. um because it's just three mana draw card whenever i get two lands in my hand and it matters for the commanders so like if you're using veyran or you know in my case it was just jory n like it was just one other way to draw two to trigger her a second time because i i'd run out of spells so I, i needed one from hand and then another one i like you know i just hit a lot of land with that one um tour mod was a really good one with retrace because you just mm-hmm. get a tapped zombie uh oh, pretty often yeah. raven's yeah. crime and tour mod that's yeah. awesome right so if you're running like a discard deck raven's crime doesn't seem that great in the grand scheme of all the discard effects that we have available to us but it's just you know like nick said it's like it's not going anywhere like, if you have two lands in hand you just get one more discard trigger for one of the lands and you get to cast the raven's crime so Raven's Crime is really awesome. Where are you on Throws of Chaos? Are you are you up on that or, or down? Uh, I'm down. I was up on it when it was first spoiled, but yeah, yeah. I've I've just hit too many like one drops off of it that I've kind of soured it. But there's I, there's still other retrace cards I I love a lot. Um, what's your experience been with Throws of Chaos? I think the same. I don't know. It it it's always calling to me that one. If you're in mm-hmm. like a mono red or a Rakdos situation where you just, I don't know. I, it's hard to think about a deck in red where you reach like this weird plateau and the and the solution is spend four mana, discard a land, and rando into a next card. Like it feels very red, but red just doesn't have, in my experience, like mono red anyway, it, there's not going to be a game changing. There's, there's not, it's just, it's really, lo, it's really low odds that the card you're going to hit is going to turn your game around with the throws mm-hmm. of chaos. I think is my big criticism of that card but then if your deck is really focused on i guess cascade like cascade matters to you or or when you do something without paying the mana cost or some kind of trigger to latch on to yeah i think i'd be more attracted to that that's such a cool idea but it's just one more mana than i think it it should have been i i think i don't know I'm with you on that. Uh, I think that like if you're playing a deck that's really into playing things from exile or playing things from other zones 
or if you've got you're playing like Averna and you get some ro- sort of reward for cascading yeah, wild yeah yeah then i could then i could see it you get the land um, anyway like yeah yeah <laughs> so you just get it anyway yeah yeah but uh one one card i have actually been enjoying or playing a lot is reality scramble um that's it's like two red red it's basically a polymorph um but with retrace and i've been loving this in my felden deck just because like all my my tokens i get from felden they're going to go away at the end of the turn anyway okay so being able to flip those into like a balefire dragon or something like all my all my creatures are just freaking huge so trading trading it in for another fatty seems great that seems like it would be just a good idea with a lot of token decks right like oh yeah yeah like i i even thinking some like let me think about a commander that really really cares about tokens naoli the new one Mm -hmm. she values tokens probably above a lot of other commanders do because of what they deliver her in the form of card advantage and damage but um Think about just all of the support creatures you will you are likely to have in the deck that also care about tokens. Like they're not there for no reason, and you'll scramble into them with just yeah. if you're kind of sitting on this weird plateau where you're not getting anywhere where you need to go, just let go of one token and move to your next support creature. Right? Is that what it'll do? It'll just you destroy it and go to the next creature in your yeah library. yeah. It basically you're you're revealing cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card that shares a card type with that permanent. Yeah. So yeah. If really your cool. if your creatures are bangers, then this seems like a great deal. I love polymorph effects in decks with like a lot of token generators and then just powerful ass creatures that I would love to flip into. <gasps> yeah. And here's me looking for my graveyard hate against a token deck because of what you're doing. <laughs> uh yeah, I love it. Um all right, uh, you ready to move on to the yeah, next let's, let's go. That one okay. is cool though. I think I'm gonna be looking at retrace a little more. I just Una's Grace was the one. Like, short story. We play a lot of, we've been playing a lot of Popper lately, mm-hmm. and I camp the hell out of this thing. Like, just, you run, you run out of, you run out of hand so quick in Popper. Like, draw is just a, a super premium ability. So, for to have it in Tormod, I was, I was like over the moon. Like, people were losing their minds. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he just keeps drawing cards and making zombies, which is just like, it's not that huge in, in regular, you know, Commander, but in Popper, dude, that's just like, not acceptable like people were not happy with that so it's good that's sick yeah that makes me want to play popper more just like get back to that grindy feel that is is kind of too slow for modern commander yeah you just people have to figure you out you know like in popper there's more concerted efforts to deal with something like that like it's Mm -hmm. people are ganging up over littler things it's because you know it's just not as spiky as the as the regular format so it was cool. I, I, I produced, I weirdly produced way more zombies with my popper tour mod than I do my like actual tour mod. <laughs> it's cr- because just, there's just, this how the game goes, you know? Yeah. And I bet that like, hmm, okay. I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into this. Cause like, I bet just cutting off access to higher rarity cards, like mm-hmm. gets rid of a lot of tutors as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Tormod especially is pretty strong with like Ghost of Ramirez because of uh, Transmute. Like a lot of those oh, are nice. Yeah, you can keep just kind of transmuting your way through. But it's not super threatening to your opponents because you can only transmute at that CMC for just some other common. So <laughs> you end up like, oh, I'm going to go get my Una's Grace. Like, here we go. And 
that's worrisome, but they have time and it's, I don't know. I, I love it. We've been having like a lot of fun with it. Oh man. Just and to tortured existence is a common, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's gotta be the best card in your that, deck. It is like, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Oh, tight. Um, all right. All right. We're, we're getting off track. Uh, next mechanic up is manifest. Um, so manifest is, is a keyword action. Uh, and, and basically what it does is you can manifest from anywhere, but it puts a card, you know, you can manifest from your hand, you can manifest from your library, but it puts the manifested card from whatever zone it came from onto the battlefield as a two, two face down creature. And then if it's a creature card, if, if the, you know, the other side of it is a creature, you can turn it face up at any time for its mana cost. So, I have talked a lot about manifest on the show. This is one of my favorite mechanics, uh, despite the fact that it's only on like 24 cards, uh, just because it's just like a better, more interesting version of tokens. Hmm. There are so many decks in the format that want to be running tokens that like running tokens is, is not that hard to do. As long as the rate is decent, it's something that kind of naturally aligns with Commander because, okay, I have a lot of permanents out. I can throw out some sort of Anthem to pump them up. And this can be how I plan to win the game. Okay. Or I can convert them into resources. Uh, I can sacrifice them for to draw cards or something. Or I can tap them to make mana with my Cryptolith rights or something. There's just a lot of things you can do with having multiple bodies on the board coming from a single card. Um, and manifest just takes that that gameplay that that type of card that naturally fits into commander pretty well and just adds a lot more hooks to it a lot more opportunities for synergy so what if you know your tokens had a chance to turn into real creatures what if you could turn that crappy one one sapperling into like a rampaging bayloths yeah yeah or, or like, what if your tokens milled you when they died? What if you were just naturally accruing cards in your graveyard that you could later recur or reanimate or delve away or, or just get some sort of value from from your tokens? Um, and then that's not even like the, the really busted stuff. Like, what if you could blink your token and it comes back as some haymaker consecrated sphinx or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or even if it's not a creature, what if you could bounce it to your hand and it's just like becomes a card and, and a better card than like the two, two it was on the board. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many ways to fit manifest cards into like powerful engines in commander. They just work so, so well with like things I already enjoy doing in the format. So it's really the kind of manic I would, kind of mechanic where just like i think the game would be more fun for me if just everything that made two two tokens just manifested cards instead uh, <laughs> <laughs> i would love that world that would be so much fun um like really the, the biggest downside of um of manifest the the worst part about manifest is just how few cards there are with it because it, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overselling it. Tell me about your experiences with Manifest or your thoughts on the mechanic. Well, I've played against you while you're manifesting a lot, and <laughs> I can support everything you just said. That's that's it. It it, it doesn't exist uh, in 
a lot of decks. Like, I don't think people bother with it uh, outside of like the Kadena player, which is the deck you were using. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great way to introduce cards into your environment. Like, especially if you can get it on a good rate. Like, what is the one that just says manifest the car- top card of your library, the artifact? Uh, scroll of Fate. Um, How much mana is it? It's three mana, and then it just taps to manifest a card. It's it's from your hand, though. I will say that. Oh, right. Um, yeah, it's from your hand. It's from your hand. Yeah. So yeah. you're just kind of throwing things into play to block and then just manifest later. Yeah, but it's still, like, such a huge mind game, though, because, like, what am I dropping in? Am I just throwing in a land that I didn't care about, or right, is yeah. this going to flip up into a 6-6? Six, six? Get rid of this, like, Farseek that I don't need to, on turn 12. Mm-hmm. But now it's a blocker yeah. that can be part of my crater hoof next turn. Yeah, yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty there's, crazy. There's... You're selling everybody on manifest, Nick. <laughs> uh, there, there's also been some like fun precon cards that they printed. I think they're slowly getting to a better rate with like the 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 manifest cards we're getting. So like cryptic pursuit i loved it was in the nuka penna precons it's just like whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell manifest um that's and then the realistic part is like whenever a face down creature you control dies exile it if it's an instant or sorcery card you may cast that card till the end of your next turn yeah so it's like a chance at it it's it's crazy yeah yeah so if like if you were running talrand uh in your spell slinger deck you can just slot it out for for cryptic pursuit uh, it's harder to kill because it's, it's an enchantment. It makes the same bodies. Yeah, they're not evasive, whatever. But when they die, you just get more spells, which then fuel more manifests, which can then fuel more spells. It's so sick, so powerful. Um, yeah, I'm done making excuses for Talrin. <laughs> that's just so. That's just. It's just way better. Yeah, it's just way yeah. better. It's like wait, you still get a shot at the spell. It's just and it's an enchantment, you know. Like everybody just like sees Talrand and they're like, all right. But they see this and that's yeah, that's way cool. Yeah. Uh, so I love this mechanic. Wish there were just more cards that produced it. It really, uh, there's so many cards that you just could put it on. Every freaking set they ever release has tokens in some form. I think this is like easiest improvement to the game boom all those two two token producers manifest instead but we'll see i guess we'll just get one card a year for the next 30 years and i'll have to accept that theory is for this you know this is why you come here (laughs) this is it where else are you gonna get that right somebody going on go like wax like poetic about manifest nowhere (laughs) all right well time time to yeah yeah time to max poetic about another card okay uh Madness. Uh Madness is sick as hell. Uh Madness. So you got is it? It's so go. Tell okay, us. Sell okay. us on it. Sell us okay. on it. Okay. Uh so Madness, uh, if it's on a card, you are given a madness cost. Usually that madness cost is cheaper than the real mana cost. And it has the ability, uh, when you discard this card, you can cast it for its madness cost. Mm-hmm. So it's an alternate cost that you can only pay when you're discarding it. Right. But what this does is because the mana co- because the madness cost is typically cheaper, uh, and because you're casting it in a way that like normally in would just involve a card going to your graveyard and losing it forever, it's really giving you a card and it's giving you mana. 
like, you know, people lose their minds over cascade, but this is like the OG mechanic that gives you both mana and cards. And all you have to do is like provide the infrastructure to support it. Mm -hmm. If your deck has a critical mass of discard outlets, or if, you know, or if your commander is a discard outlet, then it's kind of free to run madness. Like, okay, I've got this covered. I've, I've jumped through the hoop and in exchange, I get free card. I get free mana. Uh, like, and these days, if you're running like a red deck, you've got a critical mass of discard outlets. You can, it's not much of a burden at this point to run, you know, thrill of possibility, tormenting voice, all those cards. There's like mm-hmm. a dozen or more of them. Now you can make it happen. Really, I think the the only thing holding back this mechanic is just the fact that like there haven't been that many good cards with it. Yeah, there's it's only been in like Odyssey block and then a little bit in Time Spiral and then uh, Shadows over Innistrad block and then that's it. We're we're done with Madness. No more for you. Um, but it's it's sweet. Like, and you can get even though there aren't that many cards with Madness. Um, and you know, there's, there's still some pretty good ones. Big game hunter does a lot of work. Shadow Grange Archfiend does a lot of work. And there are ways you can like get the feel of madness. Even if you're not running madness cards, like Oscar rubbish reclaimer essentially gives all your cards madness. Um, he has the ability. So it's three, uh, blue black for three, three, Costs one less to cast for each different mana value among cards in your graveyard. And then whenever you discard a non-land card, you may cast it from your graveyard. So essentially making it so that, you know, anytime you would be discarding something, you can just cast it. It's it's a lot like giving cards madness with hmm. the same mana cost. Yeah. Yeah. But that really gives you the feel of madness, even though it doesn't call it out. Like you get to run a bunch of looters and every looter, you know, you pay two mana for it. You tap, you draw a card, you discard a card, except I'm actually casting the card I discarded. So it's really just like I get to run a bunch of creatures that cost two mana and have tap, draw a card. Um, Interesting. Or you can, you know, you can run your tortured existence. Uh, Just like I get free raise deads as often as i want provided i have like creatures to cast um you can like i mean if you've got instant speed discard outlets you can just like trick your opponents with like i'm gonna throw out a guy that you weren't expecting because my things essentially have flash so a lot of good that's good (laughs) a lot of fun tricks there's also things like you know discard uh discard rewards like bone miser uh there's rewards for um like playing things out of your graveyard uh like secrets of the dead three man enchantment and wherever you cast a spell from your graveyard draw a card so tons of opportunities for synergy uh tons of just ways to grind out value with this type of mechanic and i think it oscar makes the case for why they should just print more madness cards because I, I think this gameplay style is super fun. That's a pretty good um, 
the advocacy that was a it was, it was good <laughs> have, uh, have i sold you on it or what's yeah your I, I, i'm anya? thinking more about oscar now i ha- i've had anya or angie or however we're supposed to say it uh mm. for a minute it was so boring nick it was so <laughs> boring it was just like her ability just didn't want me to actually do the madness it was like i just want to keep drilling and put my combo together maybe that's just yeah. how i constructed it if that was the incorrect way if for somebody no, but no that, that thing is that i mean that is like i would say that's the the gameplay that is incentivized by the design so mm-hmm. i don't hold you at fault for building it that way i hold the designer at fault for making the card that way because it's like yeah. you could have the thing is if if angie falconrath uh said like whenever you you know had the same ability tap draw and discard whenever you discard a card with death touch untapper then the deck would be like exactly the same yeah like you're you're still just like running a huge number of cards whose only purpose is to like get untapper. to your graveyard and yeah. untapper right. so that you can find your your combo so that you can find yeah so you just run like a deck with you know 60 fewer cards in it because they're all going to the graveyard. Um, like that's the real power of her. And it has like nothing to do with like, man, it sure is sweet to like play my, my creature at instant speed on my opponent's turn. Like, no, no. If you're trying to like get fun, like gotchas with Angie, then like you're going to lose to the Angie player who has like world gorger dragon anime. That's dead. what I was. Yeah. Drilling. For. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. For the combo that supports the graveyard with Rakdos. Like I'm headed there. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there is like something that could be done as a, as a more experienced commander player now <laughs> <laughs> that's like more measured in how I'm going to like, I'm really going for madness here. I'm not really going to, go drill for that oh, man what that's a that's a lot of rope to tie your tie your hand behind your back you yeah know? yeah i think i'd say just go with oscar and and you'll have you'll get the same type of gameplay that you want and it, you just won't like actually have the card that specifically says madness on it yeah that's cool all right uh all right moving on to the next mechanic um this is foretell so foretell has a lot of words uh, it gives you the ability to exile it from your hand on your turn for two mana. And then you can cast it later on for its foretell cost. So you can't like exile it and then play it in the same turn. It, mm-hmm. You're committing to, I'm not going to cast it this turn. Um, but usually the foretell cost is significantly cheaper than the original mana cost. Yeah, you kind of like bank it over turns, right? Like you got to foretell... And then you usually get the discount, which is the foretell later on. Yeah, exactly. Often. So you get it, it's great for, um, you know, like you said, I don't want to commit to spending a full five mana on this Doom Scar this turn, or a full four mana on Behold the Multiverse this turn. Yeah, but I can I can give you two. Uh, can I put it on layaway? Like that, that's kind of what's going on with foretell. And I like a lot of things that this mechanic does it is great that you can split up your your mana costs use your mana more efficiently um be able to like hold up it's it's easier to hold up reaction like reactive cards when you can like move like pay out your mana costs with more granularity Mm -hmm. 
so I really like that about it. And then also it's just convenient to have this like second untouchable hand of cards. Um, cause there's things you can do with that. Like, okay, I'm going to f- foretell my entire hand and then I'm going to wheel a fortune. And then I've got my new hand of seven cards. And then I have all these, the second hand of seven cards that I've foretold. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of fun opportunities for, for synergy. Um, it's, this is another mechanic that's like kind of held back by just the limited numbers. Um, mm-hmm. We've only seen like less than 50 cards with Fortel. They're spread out across all five colors. It's a little difficult to like concentrate them into single deck, but they were nice enough to print a commander that kind of just like grants all your stuff Fortel. Yeah. I must've missed this one. Well, yeah, it's easy to miss because it was like, and a secret layer exclusive design. It was like the, the Dungeons and Dragons movie tie-in secret layer. Yeah. Um, it's Chris Pine. Yeah. 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 It's Chris Pine is in the art on the card. Um, it's Edgen Larcenous Lutonist. Uh, one blue red for a three, three legendary creature, human bard. Each non land card in your hand without foretell has foretell. It's foretell cost is equal to its mana cost reduced by two. And then whenever you cast your second spell each turn, go target creature and opponent controls. Whoa, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any any Chris Pine super fans, of course, is the commander for you. But also, <laughs> if if you just love having multiple hands of cards, uh, this is great. Lots of opportunities for synergy with this. Um, because you can, like, because you can. Oh, no, uh, Nick, this is cool. I'm looking at it. No, <laughs> I don't want Chris Pine as my commander. No, well, maybe they'll universes within at some point. Maybe you'll just get like some random Innistrati guy. Uh, <laughs> I'd be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just throw Innistrad at the problem. Sure, sure. Uh, but you can, like, because you're you're able to foretell any time on your turn, you can make use of like mana that comes in at weird times, like Braid of Fire, adding mana during your upkeep, Thran Dynamo, or sorry, yeah. Thran Turbine, turbine adding mana yeah. during your upkeep. <laughs> the yeah. Turbine. Uh, and there's also like, in addition to just like the draw sevens that like discard your hand, draw seven, or shuffle your hand away, draw seven. There's also a couple cards that like draw, like draw you up to an opponent's hand size. So I ditch everything to foretell. I slither muse. I, you have six cards in hand. I draw six cards. Um, lots of it's, it's a very like just value oriented kind of deck. Um, seems, seems really fun. Um, this is like the kind of gameplay that like really ties into the strengths of foretell. Um, so I think it's this sweet. Is wild. Yeah, this is yeah. wild. And, He's and only I hope three we, mana, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> rolling on it. Um, but I, this is the kind of thing that I hope we uh, see more of in the future. I'd love to see more cards with Fortel and just like open up this gameplay style for for more decks. So it can just be like a package that you put into the decks that were already running, like Wheel of Fortune and uh, Windfall and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, there's a few commanders that like foretell. Uh, there's the owl Vega. Yeah, right? yeah. You draw a card when you foretell. Um, there's what is it? Ranar is like that. yeah, the guy that was specifically looking at foretell. The precon commander, the precon yeah. commander. Um, really, just anything that that sees things from outside the game. I, I guess one could say Prosper and all of the Prosperlings mm-hmm. commanders that are all 
different derivations of prosper yeah uh, all the things that care about casting things from exile yeah like if you're just looking for all of them you know like i bet all of those are like well i'm at least do delayed blast fireball on these lists so mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a cool mechanic i think this is really cool though this edgin is like a really direct way to want to do it and yeah. it gives it to all your spells you know yeah just lots of opportunities for synergy and and that's like really what gets me excited about mechanic pretty cool all right. Uh, why don't you uh, lead us into this next one? Oh yeah, like anybody who uh, you know knows me, they they know I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Death Touch. So for me, Death Touch is a really effective way to get combat triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I think often you hear people that like it's not unblockable. Or it's yeah. not flying, but death touches. You just need to be like, well, who stands to lose the most um, if I'm if I'm attacking? So if Nick's got only his commander out and I'm attacking with a one one, it's not worth one life to keep his commander. He'll just pay the life. Essentially, is what he's going to do. So it's either mm-hmm. he's got to give me his commander or he's got to give me one life. Is how I think about death touch most often. Uh, it's usually at a far cheaper rate than in than some of the other evasions that are you know, you're, you're flying men in blue. So there's a lot of like one, one black death touchers or green green has like a swath of them. Mm-hmm. So it scales really well, right? Like often, like I'll see a green deck where, you know, they've got their Toski down and they're just farming cards because these one, ones aren't worth it. I'm not, I don't want to give you one of my cards. I'll let you draw one of yours essentially is what the players end up doing. And then if you're kind of forced in a position where you need to be on the back foot, people often won't attack you because it's <laughs> their their creatures are you know short of tokens i think are the ones that are exceptional to this or obviously just indestructible but often like people won't want to attack into your one one death touch so it it it's like the og skulk i guess is what i'm trying mm-hmm. to say but it can you can defend and then you can just bend it really crazy too so like you know once once you start picking up things like lure effects anything that will pull things into that, into that creature, it, it starts looking like a one-sided board white pretty quick. Um, Virtus and ever... Gorm is kind of my first foray with that. Sure. I, yeah. I would. So Virtus has death touch, but he's the one that you want to like get in. But after playing, you know, cause it cuts somebody's life total in half. It's the big, it's the big go. Right. And Gorm kind of pulls two creatures in it at the, at the minimum. But what ended up being the most effective way to play that deck was, giving gorm death touch so you, they're just not able to retaliate like you're pulling their creatures in gorm will likely survive because of the toughness yeah you seven can, toughness so much yeah you can pull off two creatures and you end up just equipping the hell out of gorm like gorm just becomes this tank that that pulls aggro like it's just like this taunting beast that just keeps pulling people in and you really don't care about Virtus any, any so much anymore right like people are unable to hold on to their boards you could do the same with toski because toski is already indestructible and has mm-hmm. to attack every turn if able so the deck becomes let's produce a lot of tokens so they get the toski triggers but toski is an indestructible death touch lure one-sided removal lure you know so yeah i've just, so, just messed with death touch for so long it's great yeah and there's i love that like you know relatively recently we've seen ways for green to grant death touch to a lot of creatures like Nylea's bow attacking creatures you can draw off death touch it's great or uh Sarith um from Innistrad Midnight Hunt like yep. she has tapped creatures you can draw off death touch 
So it's just easy, like it's it's relatively easy to grant for such a powerful ability. Um, and you know, yeah, like you said, so many opportunities for synergy. Uh, you ran Gliss of the Trader for a while, right? Like, I, what kind of, yeah, yeah. Tell me, like, what you were doing in there to build around her Death Touch. So originally, like with Glissa, it was Death Touch Tribal. Um, you know, giving credit credit to Dana Roach, like who I kind of modeled the list around um, from EDH Rex podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deck was you, you can sit back behind her for a long time. It's first strike death touch, which is just not palatable for anybody. You're a really unattractive target to to have yeah. to have combat come your way. And then yeah, you've got just like low to the ground exe type of artifacts to kind of support her trigger. Right, whenever an opponent's creature controls dies, you return it to hand, and you're just kind of slowly developing more and more death touchers. And really, what you're going for is a way to give them all an overrun with trample which is really not great for your opponent because when you attack, you're allowed to assign one point of damage that registers as lethal and the rest can go to their face. Mm. So something like Triumph of the Horrors is actually very easy to pull off. Like as you have it, it'll work. Like as soon as you have 10 power on board, they they can't cope. Like you just ram them and they're done. Um, it's, it's really, really not great for your opponent to have trample and death touch at the same time. Like it's, it's just really bad card advantage. They're going to lose life and lose the card. They'll just take the damage. So, uh, I ended up pivoting the death touch tribal to Brokos, uh, from what is it? Ikoria. Mm-hmm. Cause he's just like a flaunt. He's just like a, a, a rancor in the zone, right? Like you can mutate into a creature, the mutator gains trample or the mutated target gains trample. And then you set him for a six, six. So the deck runs just a lot of low to the ground, death touch creatures that you're leaping into with brokos and then as you find the rest you just use those as defenders so you're just kind of swinging in six six at somebody and it's just not great for them to block like they're you know what are you gonna do like you're gonna let me take your three three with it and take three in the face like most people just would be like i'm just gonna let it through um and then what i love about it is if they cope with what you're doing it it's just mutatable from the graveyard. Like it's just mm. really difficult to get out from under the fact that I'm always going to have this six, six trample death touch the way the deck is constructed. So, uh, that one was really good. It used a, a really weird card. It was Anya sanctuary or Anna sanctuary mm-hmm. where it basically gives a soul tie creature. What is it? Plus plus six plus six or something crazy. Or is it oh, plus five plus five plus yeah, five plus five mana. just, just static it's like that is sick yeah yeah they gotta I, be I just, black and blue which if you mutate it right you've got that identity like always there so that was really really bad like people just ate combat because they didn't want to give away their valuable creatures and then i, I love those kinds of voltron cards where i don't actually have to like attach anything to my commander i don't have to like keep playing equip costs or i don't have to like lose my aura when my commander goes away just being able to have like a static enchantment like anna sanctuary or like a duelist heritage um just making my commander awesome every time he shows up sweet love it yeah death touch is awesome and then i guess the last thing i would say about death touch with you know like in regard to glissa is anytime you can create a death toucher uh give a death toucher like a pinging type effect so you know for death for glissa it was viridian longbow that was just like huge with her so now she has the ability to tap and deal one damage any creature this is not good for your opponent (laughs) uh like you you can hold up right before your turn and just remove the best creature 
or, you know, like negotiate, right? Like no one's, if you weren't attractive to be attacked before, you're really not going to now. So you can use active removal. And the way she works is that she sees that death and just recurs your stupid Mishra's bobble again, you know, or your, or your expedition map again. And now you've got your cabal coffers and Urborg online. Like it's like engines like this that are tearing your opponents down and building yourself up that I really like. Um, she's, she's really good with, with effects like that. And then the reverse works too, right? So if you've got something like uh, a prodigal pyromancer with death touch, that's just as bad. That's just the same situation all over again. So giving a basilisk collar to like niv it, it's just hammer time. Like things are just going to get dele- yeah. deleted with, with that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a huge, yeah. I'm a huge death touch kid for sure. I, I love it. Yeah, it, it, it works well with so many things. And I just love that, like, granting death touch isn't that hard. Granting pinging abilities isn't that hard. Granting, like, trample isn't that hard. So you really just need a commander that provides, like, one of those things. And you can complete the combo with the rest of your deck. So, like, you know, we mentioned uh, Glissa has uh, has death touch. So it's worth it to give her the pinging abilities. Um or or like Zagras, Thief of Heartbeats, yeah, uh, has gives things death touch. So you want to run pinging abilities with him. Um, but there's also commanders that just like have pinging abilities, and you just want to, you know, throw that basilisk collar on him, get him out of the way. Yeah, um, people actually don't love that with Niv Mizzet. They're just like, yeah. great. This is if you're just not going to win the game with Niv Mizzet. But like, it's a really good way to like make it so there's not a lot of people there's not a lot anything yeah there's not a lot we can do about that it's just cast an instant you you're just sacrificing your creature i'm gonna see it and destroy it with (laughs) death touch yeah i don't actually want to win with my niv mizzet i just kind of want to uh play a very long game where you don't get to do anything (laughs) just torture and my life total is going up yep (laughs) uh all right, uh, lead us into this next ability. Yeah, I, I think along the same lines of just evasion at cost, uh, Menace, I think, is one that I like too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty aggressively costed when we're not in blue and white. It's the black and red that I think ride this this the best. Uh, so think like, thinking again of, okay, I'm trying to farm combat triggers. Uh, so like one that sticks out, like the list that I kind of included here was the, the mono red Grenzo. It's got two pretty valuable combat triggers, right? Like we can steal a card off the top of the library of our opponent or go to creature to send them in a different direction, thereby giving us more difficulty to cope with our menace because now their go to creature is out of position for our next go around. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I really like menace too, cause it, it pre- presents a similar problem uh gut true soul zealot those four one menace skeletons are like not a joke uh if you want to pair it with inspiring leader now they're what six six threes menace uh people we have to give one creature that they it's it's kind of like a lure effect a little bit like they probably have a creature they will block with like their beast token from their previous beast within but then you're gonna get a real guy in addition to that yeah like they don't they're not it, it, it robs them of agency of how they're really going to block like menace is surprisingly effective for the longest time i thought well you just double block it's how it's the big deal but i got trained pretty fast on how bad it is like you really don't want to there's just like these low toughness commanders or these valuable creatures that are giving you card draw that menace will just like victimize really well so 
you're in, you end up just having these combat triggers on your opponent a lot because it's not palatable for them to block. Yeah, there, there's been some like really great creatures that just get menace as kind of like a throw-in ability. Right, they just keep that, throwing it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like professional facebreaker is is one card with menace that I've loved. This is you know for three mana, two three, and like you know when you your creatures hit players, you get treasure tokens, and you and it's also like an outlet to sack treasure tokens to to get cards. Um, so it's like all that is like a solid card. You know, I was going to play that anyway, but then they just threw Menace on for free. Like they treat Menace as like not being especially valuable. So you get you end up with just a lot of cards of Menace in your deck without even trying to. Yeah. Um, and for then me, like the skeletons, man, like people just <laughs> wring their hands when you start pumping out those four ones. It's so <laughs> annoying because yeah, the skeleton dies, but Oh man, people hate those. It's just like they end up just hitting and hitting and hitting. And it's like think how think about a lot of token decks where you're like over the moon if you can get your one one tokens to four power. Like that's mm-hmm. it, that's like okay, I'm doing the thing, I'm doing the thing. It's like you just get that automatically, and they have to give you two creatures if they're really gonna want to stop it. It's they're pretty cool. The skeletons from Gut. I haven't paired it with the white enchant the the inspiring leader where it's six ones. Like that's. Mm-hmm. Six one menaces that just keep pouring in is oh man it's I've heard yeah. that deck rips. <laughs> no, I I love this. Um, I also love that one thing that that's great about menace is just like it makes your removal stretch a lot further. Like if you have a bunch of creatures without menace facing up against you know two or three blockers, mm-hmm. then it's like ah, I'm not getting in. But if you got a bunch of guys with menace, you take out one blocker and it's like completely changes the combat math completely changes uh the the like value proposition for turning your guy sideways yeah um, it's you good. don't have to yeah you just don't have to kill everything you can just pinpoint and it's good enough yeah i'm pretty into it and you're right they glue it onto all this it's like like a couple shaildreds have it the uh, turgrid has it for no reason like it just exists you're you're right they just kind of glue it bantu's got it Mm-hmm. Like one of the Bantus has it. They're they're always just kind of gluing it in uh, here and there in these surprising places. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, uh, you ready to move on to the next mechanic? Yeah, uh, this one I wanted to kind of get your take on because it's it's one I think that just keeps showing up. It's goad. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I like it. Um, I think I like it because it, you know, like if we go back to our infect conversation, it forces people to engage in the combat step um i get that it's it's hard to balance i i want to say i think it's if it's one target right single target is goaded it's at its best when obviously you've got somebody who's battle cruising uh they've or they've got some voltron commander that went un unwarded unhexproofed unshrouded right and you're able to goad them so it's not your problem it's it's really just going to help you uh, defeat these two other two other people like that's I think when when a single target goad is at its best mm-hmm. um, I think when you're able to go to their entire line I mean just going back to the menace conversation like with that Grenzo right like you're only doing one at a time but the idea of the behind the deck is to get as many one one menaces as you can or low evasion creatures and mono red and like keep people off you and then eventually start looking at libraries if you can but Marisi uh, <laughs> 
I know you and Zach were pretty down on Marisi when they spoiled him, but we had one. It, it, it was, you just like have no agency with your creatures with that guy, right? <laughs> it's like, it's all these, yeah, exactly this. One, one death touch creatures where in this case, you're like, do I want to block? Because this is going to get really annoying fast. Uh, guys with shadow, the, the, the one, one flyers and white. Cause it's, it's Naya because if he connects at all, your entire line is goaded. You know, so you're having to go at other people and if they have favorable blocks, it's bad for you or bad for them. And then they get goaded. It's, it gets, it gets upside down fast in my experience when you can just continually goad entire lines of, of blockers. Um, yeah, I, I, I will agree. <laughs> yeah. I will, I'll agree with you on that. I think that, um, uh, you know, I have historically been down on goad, mm-hmm. um, in part because like I, tend to either play decks where I was planning on attacking anyway, so it doesn't feel like it affects me much. Right. Um, or I'm playing decks where, you know, I've got a low creature count or I can, or I'm just running a bunch of mana dorks and I can tap them to avoid having to attack with them. Like that's true. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think that like, because I, a lot of my decks just are low, um, you know, don't get affected by goad very highly. I've got maybe a, skewed perspective on it mm-hmm. <clears throat> but i will say like you're you're absolutely right that mass goad is extremely powerful you know like, like we always uh it will often mention like insurrection like oh it's kind of it's kind of a way to end games if you're absolutely. like up at that kind of mana yeah but w- what is really the difference between like me take all your creatures and swing with all of them versus all your creatures are goaded and they can't come at me it's like well, the outcome is kind of the same. Um, when you've got like a taunt from the rampart or something, like go to all creatures your opponent control until your next turn, those creatures can't block. There, it's, it's like a really cool card. Yeah. 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 But it's like, I was going to, if I had all your creatures and was attacking with them, I would do the exact same thing, probably. Like, there's so little difference between uh, the effective taunt from the rampart and the effective insurrection, other than like, well, it takes place a little over a little bit longer time. And if we get to a point where it's just you and me, then it doesn't do so much. True. Um, yeah. Like when you're down to the one V one go just like doesn't work. Um, yeah. Um, go to, so my brother, he's, I've li- it's, <laughs> I love like just how, you know, you can tell the differences between our podcasts, just in our naming conventions. Like yours mm-hmm. is just Zagras thief of heartbeats and mine's like, <laughs> you know, anyway, um, my brother has a, a uh it's carter it's not exactly goad like by the word but when Mm -hmm. it enters the battlefield it essentially goads all creatures until the the his next turn even new ones so Mm -hmm. it's seeing everything come in and if they have haste they have to attack so it's way more uh of a blanket mass goad oh my god this list like it's just Carter is just bouncing in and out. It's like think of a Gaunti deck, both red is essentially what it's doing. Like instead of going at somebody's library, it's just Carter over and over and over and over again. And then like he's just oh, making it, he's just making it more and more uh nutty with, you know, attacking creatures have menace and attacking creatures you're against your opponent. Like all of these just like little effects that they keep putting in these precons, right? Like mm-hmm. every time you attack your opponent, it gains yeah, yeah, like there's just so many of those. Like, if your opponent's going getting attacked, you get a you get a, an opportunity to do something. The deck is it doesn't w- <laughs> when we can finally get out from under him, or he really just kind of runs out of 
of gas mm-hmm. is when the deck starts to kind of just like lose its its grip on the game. But man, it, it's like we're all marching to his tune, turn over, turn over, turn for a <laughs> long time. And you've got people who are just, I uh, yeah, it's it's a good deck. I really love playing against that deck. Um, you're right, mana dorks and things like that don't fall victim to it, but. Yeah, you're gonna fall victim to me. Like if I don't have them, <laughs> like I'm gonna get forced into this uh, pretty fast. It's re- it's really cool. And then yeah, that Marisi list that he played for a while was pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah, I think we're just gonna s- keep seeing like really aggressive mass goad stuff. Another one that was printed relatively recently, um, like spectacular showdown. So cool. Yeah, so overload for four red, 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 and you're basically like put a double strike counter on everything and then goad everything. Including your like, own stuff. Including so your you, own stuff. Yeah, you're getting double strikes like that turn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so sick. That just, I've seen that, uh, you know, eliminate multiple players very easily. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that like single target goad, I'm like uh, less hyped about and like i and a lot of times go or there's a lot of situations where goat isn't going to be useful Mm -hmm. um but the thing is they give it at a really aggressive rate um and there are many times where it just like breaks through the board state and like kills a couple players out of nowhere yeah i i like it i think that if you're going to be if you're going to go after it trying to get it from the command zone i think is the best place to do it but then if you play with like a regular group anticipate them to kind of try to play around it because it's it's it it is like you know nick said it's easy to it is easy to trip up yeah yeah like people kind of can make themselves a little bit more resilient to getting goaded left and right but if you've Mm -hmm. got like a really battle cruisery meta this is this is like the way to go like this is a way to get underneath that and in a fun way i i think definitely um, all right, I think I'm ready to move on to the last mechanic we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So this is one that um, uh, it's kind of perhaps undervalued, um, perhaps like not super sexy, um, but it's vigilance. And huh. of course, it's an evergreen mechanic. Uh, it allows you to attack without tapping your guys. And it just it does so many things so so first off like uh it gives you it makes it just a lot easier to divert attacks um like people just don't want to attack in your board if your guys are never tapped but yeah. you are still able to further your game plan i'm able to swing with my guys get my combat damage triggers like plink away at my opponent's life totals it's 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 very subtle because it's not obvious like you don't always get to see your opponent's thought process um for why they attack one player as opposed to attacking you but Hmm. i think it it definitely has a turn effect and then the thing i really really love about vigilance um is just that it allows me to get value from my guys so many different ways over the course of a round of turns um so like if I have vigilance and a way to tap them to tap my creatures for something for something. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's like, Oh, I gave them all uh man abilities or, you know, I tapped them to my opposition or to my, uh, to my glare of subdual. 
if I have some some way to get any kind of value, uh, or or if they just have like you know utility abilities, they're looters or something, I'm able to like attack with them, get in some value that way, threaten to block or actually block if my opponent sudden guys my way, and then also tap to activate them, and so it's just like I'm doing so so much. Yeah. Uh, with my guys i'm doing like three times as many things with my creatures each turn um so i i really love it um i've played a couple decks that sort of focused on this synergy um so like essica god of the tree is a commander like most people i think play her for the backside because they just love to to flip into big exciting things okay yeah but I, I just love the front half where it's like other legendary creatures you control have vigilance and tap add one mana of any color. That's why so it grants the vigilance. It grants the tap ability. All I have to do is just like commit to running legendary creatures. And there's a lot of good cheap ones. Mm-hmm. And in exchange, um, I get to attack. I get to block. I get to cast things with my commanders. I get to do everything. Right. Um, so I, I really like vigilance and you get it at, um, you often get it at just like a really good rate. It's like Menace in that they don't rate it very highly. It just gets thrown onto things or or you can find a lot of effects that grant vigilance to all your guys for very little, um, for a pretty good rate, just like an mm-hmm. efficient rate. But tell me, have you like built around vigilance much or have you or how have like what's your experience of vigilance been in commander? You know, I've never built around it, but every time I have it, I feel kind of like I'm playing with death touch a little bit, but just in reverse when we're talking about combat. Mm -hmm. So like if I have a four, four vigilant and you have a three, three, it's like I can probably just safely attack if it's, you know, a three, three that is too valuable to you which is like almost every creature in this, in this format, right? Like we're not putting things in our deck because we like the art. Uh, maybe some people are, but, uh, (laughs) I'm attacking you with this four, four and I can't suffer crackback from that same creature. Like it's not a DPS race between me and you, um, or even these other people. Like I have a blocker, which blockers are huge. I mean, like the last couple segments we talked about are obviating blocks, right? Goad Mm -hmm. and death touch and menace, like getting people, um, out of position or getting underneath their blocks is, is just of, of high interest to, for combat triggers and, and just combat in general. Right. But like vigilance locks that up. Like you, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. So this is actually sick. This Essica idea where you're given two things that are really like each other, you know, like a, a mana ability and vigilance. So you can still use your combat and then get your mana or vice versa. Like, it's pretty awesome. Vigil- I, I always love Vigilance when I have it. Every time I've like landed a creature that's like, just some Vigilant whatever, I'm always like, this is where can I throw this around? It's it's actually an aggressive ability, weirdly, because it it removes the fear of crackback in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, it's it's like sort of what we were talking about earlier with... Um, uh, God, I forget where this came in, but just like... Um, it removes yeah the downside of attacking it it's it's one of those mechanics kind of like goad that makes that are good at like helping players realize like oh you know what what what's the worst that can happen if i get in i might as well send um just like removes one of the the natural uh like decisions and and burdens from players of figuring out who to attack with um 
so yeah, it, it just makes things easier. You don't have to really like make decisions in combat anymore. It's just, you get to do it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I love it. I think it's a fun ability. Um, I, I've built a couple decks that were just building into that synergy. And there's not only is it just powerful to like all my guys, um, can attack can block can do other things but there's combo potential as well give them vigilance and surveil um yes yes she does yeah so that's another commit yeah that's the thing like i I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more commanders like that in the future where it's like i give all your things some tap ability and then just to like sort of encourage you to plank down life totals and have and, and like progress the game as well i'll give you vigilance as a freebie um but yeah, just like getting kind of free card selection off of Tokesia or getting free mana off of Essica, like there's powerful things you can do with both of those commanders. With Essica, like the primary win condition is just like aggravated assault. So I'm going to attack with all my guys, deal a bunch of damage, and then post combat, activate my aggravated oh, assault. Yeah. <laughs> Take an extra combat. This is how I kill you. Um, and then with with Dokesia, just like your, I think you just like surveil aggressively and then mm-hmm. run the graveyard recursion. So it's your like you know if you're planning to open the vaults or storm of salt souls or something similar, then you just get you're essentially like drawing yeah. cards right every time you dump stuff in the yard. Yeah, it's um, kind of like a Nethroy but no one's really kind of planning for like seeing that from the zone. I imagine the deck would be like a lot of evasive creatures because they're vigilant. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, let me chip away at Nick's life total and then surveil in my, <laughs> you know, uh, surveil or block and then surveil if I have to all with the plan of just pulling it all out of my graveyard again. Anyway, like it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It seems sick. Um, but I, I think that's, that's all I really have to say on the subject of vigilance. Um, any any last thoughts on this mechanic or on any of the mechanics we talked about today? Yeah, I I think what makes some of these kind of tough to think about from a deck building perspective is what I, I, I'm just thinking about vigilance, like not hanging on it, but just any right. Um, mm. Does the commander support the the keyword or the ability, or does the keyword or ability support the commander? You know, so mm. like I think thinking about well my commander really likes combat triggers then how can i get that at the cheapest rate in the colors i'm in like that toski list it's like yeah dude a bunch of death touch one one uh one one green death touches because there's so many is a pretty effective way just to kind of keep your commander giving you the triggers of why you put them in the command zone or you know giving them lure and death touch so i think that's one direction and then this one where it's like well the commander gives the ability away I think a lot of the lists on on here are doing that, right? Like the Edgin guy is giving us Fortel. Uh, Eska mm-hmm. is giving us Vigilance. Um, Zagreus is giving us Death Touch. So it's it's the keyword, but like how to how to go after it, I think is is the key uh, to this whole conversation, at least to me. You know? Yeah, I, I think that like it's it's nice to have commanders that grant abilities if that ability like doesn't have just a lot of cards for it. Uh-huh. Like if you really want to play with Fortel, um, you know, you've only yeah, got be given it. Yeah, exactly. There's just not enough options or same with madness. There's, there's only, 
there's not that many cards, only a handful of good ones, especially true for, and that's especially true for like manifest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, or I'm like, yeah. where can I squeeze in the manifest? What decks <laughs> make the best sense? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that like designs like that make sense. I'm happy that they are printing those, those kinds of commanders so that people who enjoy the gameplay style can do it in commander. Um, but you're right that like, it's not quite so it, not quite as necessary to like have commanders that grant like vigilance or menace. Cause there's just a thousand creatures with both of those abilities at this point. Um, so it might make more sense to uh, leave it. Well, I guess I'm thinking about this. I get, I guess like they want to put vigilance on more things to like encourage attacks that's been their goal with like how they're designing for commander Mm -hmm. they're really focusing on like the newer player who's afraid to attack so i think that is probably a higher priority than them for them than like making the one commander that really rewards you for playing a bunch of vigilance creatures because they're not designing for the kind of person who or they're not spending as much time designing for the kind of person who like does compulsive scryfall searches to yeah. find like what is the best vigilance creature in every Where color identity. I'm like I'm, I'm setting up my spreadsheet now. Like, yeah. Um, so I, I think like, I, I agree that um, it's probably more fun when they encourage you to go out and find the cards right but i i see with i see what they're doing with at least some of these ability granting commanders Mm -hmm. yeah really cool combo i'm happy with how that went that was good yeah uh, thanks again for coming on the show uh really appreciate you you taking the time and uh and and guessing i think this was a lot of fun to talk about tell us where people can find your content i am a co-host of the legendary creature podcast me and my friend kyle have been at it for I think it's like six years. So we've got a good, good library of episodes with varying degrees of accuracy and and effective (laughs) topics. So uh, if you can kind of, you know, we exist anywhere this podcast does. So if you want to check us out, that would, I would love that. So thanks for having me on though, too. I, I, this is, this is my favorite commander podcast, Commander (laughs) Theory. Thank you. And of course, I can't recommend your podcast enough. You guys are so funny together. Um, the production quality on your episodes is amazing. I love the the intros you do for every single one. So definitely, if you enjoy Commander content, check out the Legendary Creature podcast. You're going to have a good time. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Commander Theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots. All one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. <laughs>